Episode 7, A Look Back, Leonard. It was almost 10 p.m. Night began to darken the sky. The airport was gradually emptying. Only a few hesitant passengers still roamed the aisles. Electronic boards moved slowly to display the latest destinations. Individuals anxiously watched the names scrolling past while others emerged from narrow and dimly lit corridors, slipping into the silent atmosphere of this beautiful winter evening, eager to reunite with their families. Several people, sometimes wearing hats and scarves, slept on benches awaiting their next flight. Others paced, grumbling. However, most revealed a faint smile as the joy of the Christmas season brought a strange sense of well-being soothing the sometimes interminable wait, a diffuse emotion between impatience and inner calm. A young man hurried along the wall towards the payphones. An elderly man beside him gave him a surprised look, tinged with anger. He nodded to the old man, who seemed to nervously mumble his words into the handset. A faint smell of alcohol emanated from him. Leonard Schneider was indeed both annoyed and surprised. When he saw the young guy in front of him, whom he had vaguely spotted in the distance, over near the decorations, he thought he saw his son, Alex. He couldn't tell now what had made him think so, whether it was this young man's face, his physique, or simply his gestures. Perhaps the ambiance of the place deceived him, or something else but he was convinced he saw his son, there, in front of him, flesh and blood. He wished it were true, because at that moment, clinging nervously to the phone, Leonard discovered the unthinkable, the news he had feared for weeks. He stared blankly at the wall. His white beard, tousled hair, and pronounced wrinkles gave him a gloomy and apathetic air a long, oppressive silence had settled in the conversation. Leonard tried to break it. You said you would spend Christmas here, Alex, Leonard said bitterly. I know, Dad. But my boss insisted that I stay and prepare for an important meeting with a client. I don't really have a choice. You could have told him you were committed elsewhere, Leonard snapped. Doesn't this boss have a family? It's Christmas, for heaven's sake. He would understand. Alex seemed embarrassed. You know, 
I've been waiting for this promotion for months. I'm one of the potential candidates. If I leave, I can kiss it goodbye. They'll choose someone else. It's unfortunate, but that's how it is. And this promotion would be a chance for Kate, Ian, and me. For our family. If I get it, then we can actually go through with our plans. I can't afford to miss out. Plans? We plan to buy a new house and send Ian to a private school. Quite expensive. We think it will be better for him. This new position will allow us to have all that. You understand? Leonard didn't know what to say. He didn't want to seem selfish by saying what he really thought. But he couldn't help but make a somewhat sharp criticism, as was his habit. With your work, you hardly see your wife and son. What's the point of all these plans? This promotion will only take you further away from them. There's more to life than money, Alex. Sorry? Alex retorted, irritated. Coming from you, I find that insulting. You dare to judge my family, my relationships, when I spent my entire childhood waiting for you, waiting for your hypothetical return. You were constantly looking for shady deals to find money. You were always absent, and now you're going to reproach me for it? Exactly, complained Leonard. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I don't want you to make the same mistakes as me. I know I haven't been a very good father, but I would like to make amends and spend time with my son and grandson. I haven't seen him in two years, Alex. Alex didn't respond. The silence made Leonard uncomfortable. Make amends, Alex muttered. You'll have to welcome Kate and Ian properly and allow them to have a memorable Christmas Eve. Can you do that? Uh, okay. Leonard grumbled. I can do that. I'll make sure your wife and son have a magical time for Christmas. Great, Alex replied, perplexed. As soon as I finish my work, I'll take the first plane and join you. I'll be there in a few days to celebrate the new year. This time, we'll all be together. Is that okay with you? Yes, Leonard replied half-heartedly. He waited for a moment. It's a shame you can't be present for Christmas Eve, Leonard continued. We should make the most of it when our family is together. Alex breathed heavily into the phone. Then he spoke again nervously. I'm counting on you then. And Dad. Yes? Don't ruin everything, okay? Count on me. Then the sun hung up. Leonard remained staring at the phone for a few minutes. He felt a deep apprehension taking over. An internal restlessness soon turned into anger, then into helplessness. Leonard slammed the phone against the wall, suddenly enraged. He wanted to forget his anger, his bitterness. But in any case, his son wouldn't be there. Only for New Year's. And he would have the heavy responsibility of welcoming his family and ensuring a perfect Christmas. He was besieged by competing and unpleasant feelings. He was too old now to change quickly. Habits, especially bad habits, remained too deeply ingrained. However, he had his little secret, his own technique. Leaning against the wall by the phone, he discreetly pulled out a small flask of cognac from his inner pocket and took a sip. The sensation of alcohol in his throat immediately gave him the energy he needed. A sip couldn't hurt him. 
Already his anger was giving way to a slight, tingling euphoria. As he straightened up, he looked up at a mirror above the payphones. He saw the expanse of the deserted hall and the distant corridors of the arrivals. A woman and child were heading in his direction. His blood ran cold. Leonard quickly stashed the flask in his jacket and turned around. They had spotted him. Kate and Ian approached. The young boy looked tired. He must have slept a few hours on the plane, like many children his age. He yawned while staring at his grandfather. Good evening, Leonard, Kate exclaimed, displaying a forced smile. Leonard, feigning surprise, responded with a falsely cheerful tone. Oh, hi. How are you two doing? He turned to young Ian and ruffled his hair. It's been a long time since I've seen you, huh? He continued, smiling. You've grown quite a bit. The little boy, shy, didn't respond. Kate seemed uncomfortable. She gave Ian an awkward hug without letting go of her suitcase. I know, I think it's two years since we came, she replied, embarrassed. The little one has grown a lot. How old is he now? Ten, almost eleven, right, Ian? She turned to the boy who nodded passively. He kept his head down, seemingly disturbed by something. Leonard felt a certain tension and was afraid of looking ridiculous. He stared at the two arrivals with perplexity. Kate suddenly changed her tone. A slight anger animated her. I'm really sorry about Alex's last-minute change of plans. Supposedly, there's a crucial client meeting. She sighed in frustration. His boss always demands more from him, she continued. And he rushes to it as helpful as he is. Every time. As Kate's frustration mounted, she took a sharp inward breath. She held her stomach with both hands, grimacing. Leonard noticed that the young woman's abdomen was slightly rounded. She was evidently trying to hide it under her long winter coat. Kate, are you okay? Leonard asked. It'll be fine. Everything's okay, she assured him. She straightened up. Leonard stared into her eyes, dazed. She seemed just as confused as him. Alex didn't tell you anything? About the promotion? Leonard responded foolishly. I'm pregnant, Leonard, Kate said. Four months already. A second boy. He's giving me a hard time these days, she exclaimed, almost laughing. For a moment, she had forgotten her anger against her husband. But Leonard, surprised by the news, was offended that his son hadn't told him anything. He felt horribly slighted. He could have at least told you, Kate said. I feel awkward announcing it like this. Leonard ignored the remark and reached down to help Kate with the luggage. He pretended not to be too affected. What great news, he said lightly, lifting a suitcase. We should celebrate. I'll take care of the luggage. You shouldn't be lifting anything too heavy, right? Thank you. Are you coming, Ian? The little boy nodded, still timid. Then he followed his mother and grandfather toward the exit. We'll try to hurry, Leonard indicated. It's snowing heavily outside. Welcome to Albany, he joked. Perfect, a white Christmas, Kate retorted. She followed her father-in-law, who struggled with carrying the two suitcases. He wore a strange, slightly worn, padded coat. Behind him wafted a strong and unpleasant smell of alcohol. They stepped out into the snowstorm. The icy air bit their cheeks.
Kate wrapped herself in her coat and held Ian tightly against her. Leonard strode quickly toward the car to load the luggage. A thick white coat of snow covered the parking lot now, and heavy flakes continued to fall. Some people were driving a bit too fast, skidding on the pristine film. Others waited patiently in their vehicles for their windows to defrost. Leonard placed the two large suitcases in the trunk. Kate settled Ian on the back seat, then they closed the doors hastily. Well, goodness! Leonard exclaimed, strangely euphoric. Crazy weather! The road must be slippery, Kate noted. Lucky we have all the time in the world. Her tone pricked Leonard. He felt his flask in his jacket dig into his side and wondered if Kate had seen him take that sip. He didn't want to admit it to himself, but he did feel a little hazy, and he would have to be extra vigilant on the road. They didn't have far to go. With caution, everything should go well. The boost he had felt earlier from the drink had gradually transformed into fatigue, a fatigue that tempted him to have more. But he couldn't in front of his family, especially since Kate already seemed suspicious. Leonard felt a strange feeling rising within him, guilt mixed with sadness. He shook himself to banish these unhealthy thoughts, and then he focused on the journey ahead, only a few kilometers, and they would be safe. Leonard started the car slowly on the snow. He held the steering wheel firmly, as if that would help him drive better, or see better. Kate turned abruptly. Ian, is your seatbelt on? But the little boy was already fast asleep, exhausted from the long hours of flight. He had his seatbelt on, Kate had made sure of that, but she seemed doubtful. Leonard noticed it. She smiled while observing her sleeping son's face. She scrutinized each of his features, almost glowing from within from this angelic vision. I never get tired of watching him sleep. Kate rejoiced, fascinated. He's so beautiful. Sometimes you wish they could stay like this forever. When he's sleeping, it feels like he's happy and carefree, like an angel. Leonard glanced in the rearview mirror. I used to think the same with Alex, he quipped, sarcastic. Just so he'd leave me in peace. Kate still focused on her son, a slight smile on her lips this unique and irreplaceable moment. She didn't even laugh at Leonard's remark. He became more serious. When he wakes up, it'll be angels welcoming him and baby Jesus in his crib to offer him wonderful gifts. Kate turned around. Finally, she relaxed and felt more reassured. They had been driving for about half an hour on the slippery road. The snow continued its relentless fall. Leonard moved slowly and carefully. The flakes hit them head-on, complicating the drive. He felt blinded at times by these thousands of white dots falling endlessly. The edge of the road became invisible, and the surroundings turned into a vast, white expanse in the pitch-black night. The avalanche on the windshield blurred Leonard's view. He slowed down even more. Did you see that? Kate shouted, disturbed. A car was stuck in the ditch, on the side of the road. It stood upright, and black smoke drifted upwards from the hood. No one inside, apparently. 
The car had hit a mysterious sign, now bent and hidden under the vehicle. The front of the hood seemed embedded in a tree. They passed quickly by the wrecked vehicle, and Kate scrutinized it carefully. She couldn't identify the sign. A sense of unease began to grow inside her. The storm seems to be getting worse, she worried. Did you see that car? The road isn't safe. Maybe we could stop a bit further at a motel or an inn until it calms down. Leonard, eager to take another sip of his precious liquid, didn't want to waste time. Their destination was less than an hour away. Once there, he could safely indulge without risking the wrath of his daughter-in-law. He had to come up with a plausible argument not to stop. I heard on the radio earlier that it won't last. And besides, we're not far. If we go slowly, everything will be fine. Kate said nothing. She simply turned around to once again observe her son's angelic face in the arms of Morpheus. A heavy silence settled in the car. Only the muffled sounds of snowflakes hitting the windshield punctuated the atmosphere. Kate decided to break the ice. How's it going otherwise, Mr. Schneider? Don't you get too bored in retirement? Leonard startled slightly, shaken from his intense concentration on the road. Oh, it's fine. I have my little daily routine. I like to go fishing on weekends, he enthused. Actually, I could take Ian ice fishing while you're here. I know a lake not far from my place. It's a beautiful spot. I'm sure he'd love it. Yes, that's a good idea, Kate replied. Ian is a very curious boy. With these words, she yawned heavily. Leonard felt the urge to do the same, but he held back. He turned quickly to Kate. You can take a nap if you want. The flight must have been tiring. Sleep, do like your son. It will do you good. Are you sure? Yes, yes, don't worry, Leonard reassured. Okay, that's what I'll do, she replied. Despite his efforts to reassure his daughter-in-law, Leonard sensed her growing concern. But not wanting to spoil anything, he continued to ignore it. It was almost reluctantly that Kate reclined her seat and closed her eyes. Long minutes passed. The storm was worsening, and the edges of the road disappeared completely under the thick white blanket. The snowflakes hit the windshield even more relentlessly. Leonard was starting to have difficulty concentrating. The chaos of white in front of his eyes gave him a terrible sense of confusion, and his drowsy state didn't help. He suddenly had the urge to take out his flask and take a sip, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. It was too risky. Kate could wake up at any moment. He regained control, but the snow continued to dance frenetically on the glass. Soon he felt as if he were in a vast white corridor without walls, being drawn further and further towards a mysterious destination. Unconsciously, he accelerated, hands clenched on the steering wheel. He was eager to arrive. Leonard remained hypnotized by this winter spectacle for a few moments. He stared ahead but saw nothing, only emptiness, attractive emptiness. Suddenly, a shape emerged from his right. A deer sprang into the road about 10 feet in front of him. By the time Leonard reacted, the animal was almost upon them. He made a sudden instinctive turn of the steering wheel. 
It all happened very quickly, just a few seconds. By the time he understood what had happened, it was already too late. Leonard had a last vision as he felt the car skid, a majestic tree, probably an oak, standing there in front of him in its grand white coat. A long coat that concealed the rounded, knotty form in its trunk. He saw a brief flash that momentarily blinded him. Then came the impact and the black hole. Leonard woke up abruptly in his bed, drenched in a cold sweat. An irresistible sense of confusion engulfed him. He had just had the same nightmare again, that horrible nightmare that haunted him regularly. That terrible evening that still haunted him. The sound of the impact had echoed like a distant explosion. Leonard listened. Strange noises came from the corridor. This situation surprised him. Few people ventured into this forgotten ward, except for a few brave souls bidding a final farewell to dying loved ones. The corridor was mostly empty and silent, a haven of peace designed for patients' final moments. It had been months since Leonard Schneider arrived in this gloomy room, ever since the doctor diagnosed him with terminal liver cancer. He remembered the doctor's words vividly. Mr. Schneider, I warned you. Alcohol will be the end of you if you continue. Leonard knew it indeed, but it was too late. The drink had killed him psychologically, and now it was finishing him physically. Perhaps it was his destiny after all. The sounds echoed in the corridor. Louder. Someone was approaching, then suddenly entered the room, disturbed. It was Maria, Leonard's nurse. She started babbling in panic. There's a crowd of injured people that just arrived. I don't know what's happening, and the power won't come back on. This evening is turning into a nightmare. She searched for something in a drawer, opened the cabinet, then closed it. She was rushing. Then she addressed the old patient. Well, I have to go back. I'll be back to you quickly, Leonard. Leonard was losing patience. He felt almost slighted by this sudden abandonment. He didn't understand what was happening. It's Mr. Schneider, he shouted. We're not that familiar, as far as I know. Maria felt stung, even though she knew this type of old man well. Still as charming as ever, I see, she replied, offended. If you're so agitated, I can fetch your sedatives. Is that what you want? Leonard said nothing. That's what I thought, she continued. See you later, Mr. Schneider. With these sharply spoken words, she hurriedly left for the corridor. Silence returned to the oncology ward. Leonard lay back in his bed, looking up at the ceiling. Disturbing images flitted through his mind. An empty airport, snow, an imposing oak. Redundant phrases, fleeting thoughts disturbed his consciousness. He shook his head and listened patiently. Footsteps intensified in the corridor. Perhaps Maria was coming back to take care of him. Already? The walk was irregular indeterminate. No, he didn't recognize the nurse's rhythm. Someone entered the room. Leonard began to worry. Maria? Is that you? No response, but the mysterious visitor approached. No, it's... John, the man announced without conviction. 
I was asked to move you to another room. He hesitated. Where are your belongings stored? In the closet, Leonard replied. But wait, Maria never mentioned a transfer. The strange care assistant struggled to come up with a response. His slow reaction made Leonard skeptical. I... I bumped into her in the corridor, the stranger mumbled. Given the complicated situation, she asked me to move you to another ward. Leonard didn't believe a word of it. Perhaps, my boy, but I prefer to wait for Maria. She'll tell me herself if that's really the case. Without responding, the visitor began to search through the closet, the wardrobe, and the drawers. What are you doing? Leonard asked firmly. Shut up, old man, the intruder yelled. Tell me where you hide your money. I don't have time to waste. Leonard sat up in his bed. You dirty thief! If I could stand, I would deal with you. John finally found a wallet in the clothes dresser. He opened it and took all its contents. Leonard was boiling with anger. How dare you steal from a poor invalid in his own room? Shame on you! Not so long ago they would have hanged you for that, you coward! The thief closed the cabinets and headed for the exit. Yeah, and back then, I guess you could walk, Grandpa. He retorted arrogantly. But apparently that's not the case anymore. Too bad. John fled into the corridor. Once again, a morbid silence invaded the place. Distant moans testified to the pain of terminally ill patients, like Leonard. But most residents of the ward were sinking into coma, or were already in it. Several minutes passed. New noises filled the corridor. This time it was different. Several people seemed to be rushing through the ward in his direction. The footsteps echoed and curious sounds of metallic clanging filled the air. Leonard was getting fed up. This time he was on guard. He grabbed a pistol from his bedside drawer, well concealed from view. Then he pulled shut the curtain on the right side of his bed to hide his presence. He didn't want to be caught off guard a second time. Humiliated like a poor invalid, his moral conscience remained, along with his common sense, he wasn't just an ordinary patient destined for a grim and miserable end. Leonard took a defensive stance, ready to protect himself. The noises were getting closer quickly. No doubt, strangers were rushing toward his room. Leonard memorized each visit in this corridor, so rare were they. Even before Maria's passage, often the only one of the evening, he had sensed a mysterious presence near the door. But the person hadn't gone any further. They had turned back and run. Suddenly, Leonard distinctly heard people entering the room. There must have been two or three of them. A man's voice stood out distinctly, deep and hoarse. From the dragging sound, Leonard understood that they were pulling a stretcher inside. He remained crouched behind his curtain, ears attentive. The intruder was talking to someone. You stay here. You shouldn't see this. We'll be quick, okay? Leonard slowly moved back against the wall, alert, pistol in hand. We're lucky, continued the stranger. Most rooms were either occupied, closed, or didn't have a bed. 
the old man began to question things. Maria had already warned him of a strange commotion in the hospital, an abnormal influx of injured people. What was happening? Leonard had to be prepared for any eventuality. Suddenly, a figure approached the curtain, brushing right up against the plastic barrier. They were so close, Leonard could even smell their person's scent. Bring the stretcher over here. We'll put it on the bed. Leonard became frightened. He was about to be discovered any minute now, and he wondered how these strangers would react. Leonard had no choice now. For his safety, he had to take the lead quickly. He gently pointed his gun at the man close by. He pressed the barrel against the intruder's lower back. Don't move a muscle, Leonard ordered firmly. He yanked back the separating curtain sharply, then placed the gun back against the visitor's pelvis. Chuck, in the crosshairs, raised his hands in the air. An intriguing silence settled in the room. Thank you for listening. If you like this series, feel free to share it and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any new episodes.